I heard you back there, Gary Hall. <laughs> All right, let's start with prayer. Lord, you are amazing and undescribable. Let us come to you this morning seeking more ways to describe you and your love in our lives. Amen. What else in this great universe so eludes description, so fills the spirit with wonder? What else floats gossamer and ethereal in our lives, never touching down, but always present with us, a reminder of the majesty of an unseen God, Kent Nurburn. We're going to look at the sky today. The sky and all of its daytime wonders, like sun and clouds and rainbows, but especially the nighttime wonders, the moon, the stars, the comets, the things that elude our description and certainly elude our understanding, such as the northern lights. Northern lights, you've probably seen images, maybe you have traveled to a higher elevation sometime in the winter, expressly seeking a firsthand view of the northern lights. They are on a scientific level when there is wind, solar wind, that blows through ice crystals. But they are amazing and undescribable. And then there's the nacreous clouds, also known as mother-of-pearl clouds, clouds that are rounded and shaped almost like gems floating in the sky. And for that very short bit of time, they are lit by the colors of the sunset gems in the sky. These things are all amazing, all indescribable, and all things we do not see or notice if we do not look up. When I was in my teens and very actively losing my vision, so again, started with perfect vision, started losing it in elementary school, went down, 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 just in stages. There was a point where I couldn't read large print even anymore, and that's when I started to learn Braille, and that was one of the hardest points of my vision loss. But I remember so clearly in that high school time that I could still see the moon. Like, I couldn't see the large print a few inches from my face, but I could look up into the dark night sky and I could still see the moon. And even now when I recall that, I'm like, wow, that's amazing and indescribable. I mean, that is so very far away. And yet it is something that I was able to see. Take, there you go. Sorry. <laughs> he needed to get more comfortable so he could sleep more deeply, right? <laughs> It was unimaginable that I could see something so far away. And if I hadn't looked up, I wouldn't have seen it. What can we learn from the sky? What can we learn about God 
in this massive artistic canvas that he fashioned during creation, even before he made humans. Why did he do that? Why did he take that time to build the largest span of anything that you can see in this world? And why don't we look up more often to see it? There are lots of verses in the Bible that talk about the heavens above us, that talk about the stars and light and promise. That last preparation song draws from the verse that I am going to share and focus on today with you. And it is Isaiah 40, verse 26. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of this? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. This is the word of the Lord. We're going to take that verse part by part and see what we can learn, not specifically about the sky, because this is not a science class or an astronomy lesson, but about the God who made it for us and about what it means to live as a child of that God. So the first section of that verse, lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. What can we find there? We find a pretty clear command to change our gaze. Think about what you gaze at most often. My bet is that you gaze around you a lot, so a parallel outlook just around. And there's a lot to look at. I mean, there are people, there are trees, there are houses, there's all kinds of things on this earth at the level of your line of vision. And you look there very often. I would venture to say that second most common you look down. In a literal sense, you have to see where you're placing your feet or driving your car. You look down at the earth a lot. On a spiritual and mental sense, we often look down because we are weighed down. When we are carrying a lot on our shoulders, when there is a lot that hangs heavy in our world, it is tempting and easy and fairly automatic to look down. When we are looking down, we are seeing the hard things. The torn up pavement, literally, the dirt, literally, the gaps in the soil where we might easily trip and fall. But again, spiritually and emotionally, when we look down, we are letting what is weighing us down have our gaze focused downward. And it's not that God isn't present down and out. But what if we deliberately changed our gaze? What if we, instead of looking down or looking out, what if we, instead of that, looked up? Isaiah says, look up, 
and lift your eyes and focus on the heavens. In that view, what would we see? How much more would we be reminded to focus on the God who made everything above us? How much more would we benefit from a gaze that looks upward far more often than it does? Change your gaze. And when you change your gaze, you might see the wonders of the heavens that God created and be reminded of his awesomeness. Think about the sky, whether you prefer a daytime sky or a nighttime sky. It is stunning. It is incredible. The layers of variety of colors and light, the changeability of what we see, and the perpetual recurrence of what we see all mixed together. How can you not be reminded of the glory and power of God by looking up? When you're weighed down, literally or figuratively, if you look up, you might find the reminder that God is not just a God who made those things, but that those things might tell you something about the God you need to be reminded of. After all, his creativity, his care, his power, his majesty, the awe of it all is the God who is our Father. And we all could be reminded of that a lot more often. Author Katie Reed Hedshaw writes this. Let's look up and choose to let this great God beyond compare lead our days, our weeks, our lives. It's a choice. And when we choose not to look up, it is a choice. And when we choose to look up, it is a choice. Why not make the selection that is going to remind us of a God who cares so much about us that he gave us indescribable beauty if we only look up to see it? The next part of the verse talks about a God who created all of these things, a God who named the stars, and a God who tended to the details one by one, filling up all of that majesty. The part that leads into that portion of the verse is a rhetorical question. Who created all of this? Who created all of this? And of course, you have to have a little English here, right? Um, so a rhetorical question is one that is not meant to be answered out loud. When you ask somebody a general question like, how are you, we're expecting an answer. But in a rhetorical question, it is a question that wonders about something and directs our attention to that thing. It is not meant to be answered out loud. It is meant to be answered in our hearts. When Isaiah has this part of the verse, who created all of this? He is not wondering who created it. Was that God or maybe was that Sam down the street? Or was that Rick who lives in the other neighborhood? Or was that Amanda who works at the 7-Eleven? It's not that kind of question. Who created all of this? We know who did. 
the God who created us. And when we ask questions, we want to come closer to the answer. That's the whole point. And when this verse asks who created all of this, we know the answer. Let's live as if we know, because we do know. Isaiah also says that God named all of the stars. He named them. Ancient history in many cultures and religions talks about naming as a way to either have power over something or to claim responsibility on it. So think about if you have children when you named your child. You probably wrestled with baby books and thought about relatives to honor and such, maybe looked at meanings of names. You were naming that child, and in naming that child, you were taking on the responsibility of parenting that child. If you don't have children, maybe you named your puppy or your goldfish. Maybe you named your car. I have a friend whose car's name is Bertha, um, and I'm, I have an image with that. We name things, and we claim power or responsibility by doing so. God did not just speckle the skies for your sheer entertainment or for the future job of an astronomer. No, God named those stars because they are part of his creation. That's amazing. St. Augustine writes this. Question the beauty of the earth. Question the beauty of the sea. Question the beauty of the sky amply spread around everywhere. Question the beauty of that sky. Question the serried ranks of the stars. Question the sun making the day glorious with its bright beams. Question the moon simply tempering the darkness of the following night with its shining rays. Question the animals that move around in the water, that amble on the dry land, that fly in the sky. Question all these things. They all answer you. Here we are. Look, we're beautiful. Their beauty is their confession. Who made these beautiful, changeable things if not the one who is beautiful and unchangeable? If we do not look around and look up to appreciate what God has given us, then we are not receiving in full the incredible gifts that he has brought us in this creation. As imperfect as we have made it, there are still unbelievable, unimaginable, awesome gifts that we need to look up and claim one by one. The last part of that verse says, not one is missing. 
Not one is missing. Not one cloud. Not one star. Not one moonbeam. Not one black hole. Not one flash of lightning. Not one rainbow. They are all there. God not only created these things and named them, but they are all there. None have gone away because God has not gone away. It very much recalls the stories in the gospel, such as the one about the shepherd who has 100 sheep, and if 99 come back, he will go and find that hundredth. Also, the story of the flowers in the field and how beautifully they are arranged and cared for, and not one is forgotten. The hairs on our heads, how many there are on each of our heads, some more than others, perhaps, and yet God knows where each and every one is. We have a God of details. We have a God who cares and does not let any of us go, not one. This summer, NASA put out photos taken from the James Webb Telescope, the Space Telescope, that has been gathering images from far-flung places and now releasing them to the public. Say yes if you saw any of those images this summer. Yes, stunning. If you haven't, you need to go and look them up. What you probably didn't know is that NASA, a science-based organization, hired individuals with strong vocabulary and great insight to provide alternative text to each and every one of the photos that were put out. Alternative text is the feature that gives narration for those of us who cannot see to a photograph. So you have the power to put alternative text on, on your photos, on Facebook or other social media things. NASA knew that these images that were indescribable, unimaginable, awesome, that they needed to be seen by all, even those of us who can't see. I'm going to share just one partial paragraph of their alternative text on one of these images. So with your eyes, you probably saw this. This was one of the most famous of the images they released. This is what I saw in their word picture. A star field is speckled across the images. They range from small, faint points of light to larger, closer, brighter, and more resolved stars with eight-point diffraction spikes. The upper right portion of the image has wispy, translucent, cloud-like streaks rising from the nebula. Those words speak to me because not just am I an English teacher, but I am someone who wants to see things as well. And NASA did that. But let us not lose sight in that NASA is not what we should be worshiping. And the images that, that NASA's space telescope caught are not what we should be worshiping. But we should be worshiping the God who made it all, 
the God who created human intelligence powerful enough to invent something like that telescope, the God who painted universe with such bright and diverse images. Oh, what a heavenly, incredible Father we have who painted these heavens this way, such as Psalm 91.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hand. We can learn more about the Father, the creator, Yahweh, who made all of us by looking into the skies. Catatumbo lightning exists only in Venezuela, where one river connects to one lake 140 times on average a year there are 10 hours straight of lightning 10 hours straight of lightning there's a scientific reason i prefer the one that lives in awe crepuscular rays also known as God rays are little points of white or blue light on the horizon that on occasion spike up dramatically right after the sun has set. God rays spiking up on the horizon of this earth toward heaven. Where are your God rays. Where is your gaze? If you are like most of us, you spend that time looking out or down. What if you looked up? What would you see? What if when your heart is heavy, your pathway is confusing, your world is uncertain, instead of turning to a device or instead of relying on your own skills to try to make a plan, what if you went to a quiet place during the day or during the night, and you sat down and you looked up at the sky? What if you looked in awe and wonder? What if you contemplated that the God who made you is the same God who took that care and time to make that sky for you. As a child, we are alive to their magic. We lie on our backs on summer hillsides, making up stories, finding giants and dragons, in their forms. They are God's sketchbook, the measure of our capacity to dream. But as we grow older, they fall victim to numbing familiarity. Their poetry and majesty, while still alive, in our hearts is easily overlooked 
easily ignored. Kent Nurburn. My friends, as we stand in this time in this church where we face transition, as we stand in this time in our personal lives where we face strife and uncertainty, as we stand on this earth and know that our time here in the big scope of things is limited, let us not fall into the numbing familiarity of this great creation that God made for us. Remember that he made all of this before he brought human life to earth. He did not make it carelessly or just for practice. He made it, then he brought us to it. Let us be reminded when we look up at the sky that the wide, forever majesty of this creation is there to remind us just what kind of God we have as our Father. Indescribable, unimaginable, awesome, our God. Let's pray. Lord, as we step into this day and the chaos that will certainly greet us as the week unfolds, help us to pause and contemplate Help us to not overlook what you did not overlook, that beauty and majesty and awe and what we cannot understand, and yet what we can appreciate is there for us. Let us see it as the blessing it is, and let us keep our gaze on you. In your name, amen. Would you please open your bulletins for the prayers of the people today? I wanted to do something 